Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One hundred sixty seven days in space, over thirty eight hours performing spacewalks, traveling more than six million miles, making hundreds of orbits about the Earth. But how did I get there? This is the making of an ordinary spaceman. I'm Clayton C. Anderson, and these are my stories. Hey, join me, Astro Clay, on the Making of an Ordinary Spaceman podcast as we talk with one of my classmates from high school, Tina Stewart Schofield, now a teacher extraordinaire. Podcast listeners, we're back with you again, and we have another cool episode for you today. Uh, We have talked many times on this podcast about how to build an ordinary spaceman. Me being that ordinary spaceman. Well, the idea here is that I didn't do any of this by myself. I did it through my family and my friends and my community, my church, my colleges. All those sort of things contribute to build this ordinary spaceman who one day went into outer space. And we also talk about how space exploration is the ultimate team sport. It takes a myriad of people to accomplish great things. And keeping with that theme of building an ordinary spaceman, I would like to welcome Tina Stewart Schofield, my latest guest and a former classmate of mine at the Ashland Greenwood High School school system. We were known as the Blue Jays. I think today they're the fighting Blue Jays, aren't they? I have no idea. I have a tendency to stick to the tried and true. (laughs) So, Tina is joining us today. I'm very excited about this, and I'm going to start this off, Tina, by asking you, what are you doing now? Right now, I am a third grade teacher in Omaha, Nebraska at St. Vincent de Paul. Woohoo! The Ordinary Spaceman loves educators. If you look at anything on my websites, my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, all that stuff, you will see that I love educators. Go ahead. Continue. Um... You like it? Yes, love it. I started out in, um, after I graduated in a little town called Elgin, Nebraska, at St. Boniface, and I had a total of 11 students in my first grade class, (laughs) and I was there for a couple years and then um, wanted to move back and taught at St. Albert's Elementary in Council Bluffs, Mm -hmm. and I went from 11 to have uh, first graders to having 30 third graders. Ooh. And then I moved to Omaha and still have 30 third graders or thereabouts. Now, if you had 30 third graders and there were 30 Clayton Andersons, or you had 30 third graders and there were 30 Tina Stewarts, which would you prefer? It all depends on the situation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a cop-out, teacher. (laughs) There is pros and cons to both about 
what where we would best fit. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to have to steal that, I think. Yes. Okay, so as an educator, and I really do, I, I love educators, and we all know there are great educators and there are, are bad educators, but for the most part, you guys are amazing. You deal with things that most people don't even imagine that you deal with. You do it on a regular basis. You do it with a smile on your face, and you do it with grace and the understanding that you, if you can reach one kid, right? Yeah, if you make a difference difference. with one. All right, so how did growing up in Ashland, Nebraska, and attending the Ashland Greenwood School System overall, now I want you to think in general, because we're going to talk about favorite teachers here in a moment, but in general, how did that experience shape you? How did it hinder you? How did it help you? And how did it move you along the path to becoming an educator? And and if you have to, right, if, if there was a teacher that inspired you to become an educator, it's okay to go into that mm-hmm. as well. Well, And there's know. no looking at another student's paper to, <laughs> to get the answer. <laughs> no, there is not. Um, I would think that through my experience at um, the public school, because when I was in Omaha, I went to a parochial school, mm-hmm. that the public school was a little bit, um, I guess the only word I can think of is more open, you know, um, that uh, even the the structure was different, that mm-hmm. kind of lend you to, for me anyway, to feel more, be more myself. Okay. Uh, and that, that helped. I think, you know, and, and I so had a lot had the, of... you had the flexibility to to try new things, do things differently, rather than being too structured. Is that? Right. Okay. And, you know, the the Catholic schools aren't that way now because we we had nuns then, and now most (laughs) of us are, most of the teachers at a Catholic school are lay teachers. Um, And it was different, you know. Yeah, I can only imagine. It was different. Um, Once I came to um, Ashland, you know, things just, I I felt like I was able to relax and just really be myself, Mm -hmm. and that helped me to grow in a lot of ways, because I was fearful of making mistakes. Sure. And here, you know, if you made a mistake, eh, well, you know, you know, that just happens. Yeah. But, Mom, as we, as we went through, I think, you know, overall, you know, teachers inspired me in different ways. Um, the third and fourth grade teachers read Little House on the Prairie books to us, yep. which, you know, in, you know, got me interested in history. And then as we moved through, we had, you know, di- you know, really good instructors or teachers in, you know, the science and geography. And, you know, they all had their different ways of teaching but entertaining, you know, and getting their point across. I can't really say there was one in particular that drove me into the direction of being an educator. And the, f- you know, reality is I really went to be a nurse to begin with. Ah, you know, but it's in the same frame, helping people sure. in different ways. Um, but they didn't think I was ready for that. <laughs> you didn't pass out the first time you innovated somebody. Did no, you? they. I didn't feel I, I they I didn't feel comfortable telling um, moms, uh-huh. you know, how to raise their teenagers when uh-huh. I was one already. I mean, uh-huh. I was young for my age, and it's like, okay, I just turned 18. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so they decided, well, if you don't think you can handle it, choose a different field. And well, 
Teacher came up. As as Yoda would say, you chose wisely. (laughs) There you go. So, did you have Roten for geography? I had, well, I had, um, I had Roden and I had Clap for different ones. Okay. Yeah. World geography was Larry Roden, right? Mm-hmm. But we had him when we were in junior, or not, and ninth grader. Yes. Yes. Because I remember he, <laughs> he was the football coach, first yes. of all, right? So I had to deal with him on the football field. But I do remember that he looked at me one time and he said, Anderson, if you went outside in a strong wind, those ears are so big, it'd <laughs> screw you right into the ground. That sounds like him. Um, I was in a, a serious accident when I, with my horse when I was um, um, a junior, 16. Mm-hmm. And Larry Roden came, and I was out of it because mm-hmm. of the accident. But he stayed there. Wow. I know. He was a good guy. I mean, Good guy. He had a, yeah. Being a football coach, I think we had lost 29 in a row when he showed up. And he was responsible for, I mean, we ended up winning some before he left but he uh he stayed mm-hmm. after he stepped down as a football coach and he stayed for a while and, and I respected that and I liked the guy so I did too he had a good sense of humor he told Julie Brockmuller one time he brought a I don't know if you remember this but he brought a cartoon of a neosinephrine commercial and it had a big schnoz on the commercial and he showed that to <laughs> Julie and he and she just she got irate with the guy and he and that was what he did right he wanted to stick it to you and just Make you go crazy. Were so. you at the, um, I don't know if you were in the same class that I was, but uh, Mr. Clapp and Mr. Roten would send messages back and forth trying to outdo each other with <laughs> questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was never one of the runners, but. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Clapp was a, a unique individual as well. Mm-hmm. So, in a small town like Ashland, we, you and I, were in school the whole time together mm-hmm. right? since second grade yeah we just maybe didn't have the same teachers but we were always around each other mm-hmm. and you were big in the horse world mm-hmm. and, and sports and, and sports you volleyball volleyball basketball oh you played i don't didn't remember you played basketball yeah, I, I wasn't very good at it that's well, why <laughs> but, but, but back then <laughs> ashland wasn't very good because we had just started women's basketball yes. right yes in fact uh miss wise yes she was the one who Jody. Yes, was uh-huh. our first coach, and we were practicing over in the sunken gym mm-hmm. <laughs> at the elementary. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot shorter than a real court. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. the first time you go to the high school court and you run that ninety-three feet, and you <gasps> that, you don't have to explain that one to me. So, what was your favorite part about those kind of activities, and does that influence your teaching in any way? You know, riding horses. Um, playing volleyball, the disciplines required in basketball, volleyball, in the sports world. Mm-hmm. Did How did that shape you? I think it um, instilled a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. because you don't always let yourself down. You let your team down. And um, it also instilled a lot of structure because you had to organize your time in order to get everything done. And you couldn't let things slide at home like the chores or mm-hmm. not show up for practice or, right. you know, not have your uniform ready. You know, it's not like you could get the cell phone out and call mom. Hey, I forgot my. I noticed you didn't say studying in there. <laughs> well. <laughs> we, we had that discussion on another podcast about <laughs> Clay bringing his books home, putting them on top of the TV set the next morning, taking them <laughs> off the TV set and going back to school. But Yeah, I can honestly say there wasn't. 
I didn't have as much homework when I was in right. even elementary, junior high, high school as I think kids have today. Oh, yeah. But the curriculum has changed so mm-hmm. much since we were in school. It's it's a lot more in depth, a lot more rigor than what we had. And a lot more worksheets, right? Well, that or a more, lot more online. Oh, sure. You know. Sure. I know my kids went through the worksheet phase, and we always thought that was kind of crazy because they were very young. And, mm-hmm. I mean, my son had worksheets in kindergarten, and I'm thinking, what? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we had homework. Uh, I don't think we had homework. Not in kindergarten. No, I'm definitely. Not, I'm not sure we had a whole lot. <laughs> no, no. But that's a time mm-hmm. gone by. Yes. So your favorite sport? Volleyball. Because? Because I mean, you're not I was, very, you're not very tall. I'm not Tina. very tall, but <laughs> the setter didn't have to be tall. Uh, the and, setter didn't. And but I then, got all the inf- everything to me. To me, that's right. And you didn't have to wear a different color shirt. That's right. Back then, you didn't, right? No. Nope. Well, the setter doesn't have to wear a different color oh, the shirt. Libero. It's the libero. Did they even call it libero back no, then? No, that's something new. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought. Or a defensive specialist. No, we didn't have that oh. either. Interesting. My daughter was a volleyball player, and so I went to many AAU matches, and mm-hmm. and she was never the libero or the defensive specialist, but she was an outside hitter thumper because she was five eleven. There you go. So yeah, there you go. But it's all good. All right, go ahead. I was going to say the one thing that I remember um, that once we got to the high school that um, that I was involved in was the the one act plays. Yes. Not the musicals, because I'm not musically inclined. Uh, Mrs. Starnes. She told you that? Oh, no uncertain terms. Uh, we were singing, and she's like, who, who is that? Who is that? And she would have people be quiet, and then she finally said, Tina, sing with the boys. Hopefully, hopefully they'll drown you out. Oh, my God. Well, but that... I'm not afraid to sing out loud. But, but that sounds just like Betty. Yeah. Uh, she was... She was a to... character. And she never pulled a punch. No. Nope. Right? She... Told you like it was. Mm-hmm, exactly. But the one I remember most was with Miss Eid. Mm-hmm. And uh, we Melissa did the one Jean. act. We did the one act play called Chamber Music. I think it was oh, yeah. when we were both sophomores. It was our first year. In, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we went to state and we did real well. Um, I know I was, it was about that crazy hospital. Were you the doctor? No, I was. I never did a one act. You didn't play, no. Oh, I thought you were on that with us. I don't. Well, maybe I was. My memory. I'm getting old, so my memory's not so good. I remember uh, the group that was it. Uh, Jeff Rakes was in it. Yes. Okay. Jeff Rakes, Sheila Britton. Jeff Cool. Uh, Julie Green. Julie. Oh, that was. Uh, I was not in that one, but I know which one you're talking about. Either chamber music or um, it was called. This one was called chamber music. Okay, and then there was another one they won state, one state mm-hmm. with right, and that was the. Oh, gosh, I'll, I'll have to. Were, I can't, I can't were you in "Don't Drink the Water"? Yes. Yes. Okay, there you go. There you go. Very yeah. good. I and we, I mean, I love theater. If, I do too. If I could make someone laugh. Hmm. Um. That was something I really enjoyed doing, and and I, hey, let it be known, podcast listeners, Clay's a ham. <laughs> uh, but everybody that's listened so far, they've already figured that part out. <laughs> so if we talk some more about high school, I have an issue, and maybe you have the same issue from our high school days. On homecoming night, 
1976, I believe, held in the old school, the sunken, the sunken gymnasium gym. where mm-hmm. you practice girls basketball. Mm-hmm. You and I are members of the homecoming court. Yes, we were. Why didn't we get the crown? I don't know. What is up with that? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, they missed the perfect chance. To, they did. We would have been the perfect couple. I mean, who'd they pick? They picked like somebody named Teresa Dulesky and, and Roger Pike, right? No, no, Teresa Dulesky got prom. Oh, prom. Yes. Well, then who got homecoming? Was it, was it Allison? Mm, Allison Gilmore, I don't think so. Okay, well, I can't remember. I remember going to that because it was at the sunken gym. Yep. But I got there late because my date was from Lincoln East High School. Oh, you. And she was a twirler, and at halftime she twirled the fire batons, and she burned her forearms. So, so she came from the hospital. Oh, my gosh. She was dedicated. <laughs> yes, she was. And when we got there, I remember we walked into the, the gym and people were, hey, where, where you been? We were doing the court. And we ran down and, and stood there and mm-hmm. did, did the thing. Willard Clark. That was it. Willard got the king. I think you're right. Was it, it Becky then? Becky Niefeld. Oh, that's right. They were a couple. They were a couple. Well, no wonder we didn't get it. There you go. Oh, man, I just can't believe that. I know. And, you know, you were also very talented as uh, the editor, the co-editor of the Senior High newspaper. Yes. What was it called? Do you remember? Well, I thought it was called the Blue Jay, but it might not have been. But we had some. Jay Talk is what the, okay. is what the our yearbook says. I'm sure it was. And so I have two questions with respect to your editorial skills, your literary skills mm-hmm. in the production of this paper. First of all. Any juicy stories you can share? Well, I can share that um, Mrs. Bauer was our... Oh, uh, yeah? Uh-huh. Marjorie? Yes, she was uh-huh. our, you know, sponsor. <laughs> and um, we, uh, we we went on and we were writing like an editorial, but we were, we wrote about how unfair the the pep club and that is to uh-huh. girls who play sports because uh-huh. we kept getting... Um, penalized and we had to you know and I was a cheerleader mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh that's the sophomore year and I kept having to sit out sit out sit out because I would be at practice and I wasn't at right. cheer and so right. and um so we wrote this big <laughs> editorial about how unfair it is and how they need to you know be more cooperative and and so because mm-hmm. if we don't have enough players exactly. <laughs> we can't play the game exactly but um we printed it even though they told us not to. <laughs> and so I think Mrs. Starnes was the sponsor for the pep club. Uh-huh. And so we had to go and give a ver- verbal apology. Oh, my. Did they change anything? Did we change it? Yeah. Did, I mean, did it get oh, changed? Eventually? not that year. Not that year. But um, I think we said something to the effect, we're not sorry that we wrote it. We're just sorry so many people were upset by it. Oh, good for you. So, do you do any protesting today? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was my limit. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Mrs. Good. Bauer signed off on it, so she said, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Well, good for her. Yeah. So, there you go. You were ahead of your time, because I'm sure there are groups today that are looking for more people to help support their protests. Yeah. <laughs> But that's another podcast that we're not going to be doing here. So as this co-editor of the JTalk newspaper, who are the big influencers in the high school environment at Ashland? 
in regards to what we wrote about? Well, just in general. So when you guys, well, obviously when you wrote this editorial, you you were focused on cheerleading sports and the pep club. Mm -hmm. But were there any other things within the paper that, that were driven by other influencers within the high school, other students within the high school? Well, we wrote, um, depending on the season, you know, we had a, a sports column. We had, um, did you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, column. And then we had the editorial. We also did um, pieces on teachers once in a while, you know, a little bit about where they came from, you know, how many years they've been at school. And then, cause they were interviewed. Right. So we did, we did those, um, when we got new equipment, Ooh. oh, I know, <laughs> you know, because um, who was the media guy? Jerry um, Whitford. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes he would get the, the, the newer technology to uh-huh. use to videotape and all that. So then we would write something that's about cool. that. That's cool. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. I think that, you know, since I've become an author, uh, one of the things Ashlyn did for me was they forced me to write stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they forced me to read. And I love to read. I probably don't read as much now as I'd like, but um, I fall asleep when I read. Mm. <laughs> That's the age thing. But um, I remember when Mrs. Thorell first came to Ashland. Junior high? Yeah, we, we had English with her. As and well. I had Haggart because there was some. She came, right, so some – she came and su- came in as a sub, right? And then somebody couldn't teach anymore. Didn't somebody leave and she became the... Who, Mrs. Thrill then? No. Uh, Mrs. Haggart was already there. Okay. Mrs. Thrill came after her. Who was the... There was one teacher that came in and taught, I believe it was English, a lady. Mrs. Fetty? Yeah, that Audrey Fetty, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, very unique yes. teacher. Okay, that's who I was thinking of. But anyway... Going back to Mrs. Thorell, I was in her English class, and one of the projects we did one semester, if I recall this correctly, was we had to choose three books, mm-hmm. and she had a list of books, and we had to pick three of those, and we had to read them, and then every time we finished reading one, we had to take a quiz, and once the quiz was graded, those three quizzes, that was our entire grade for the, the whole semester. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What, Were they long quizzes? I mean, like they 20 not, questions? Yeah, or? they were not. There was nothing, uh, you know, not a 10 question, a 5 question. It was mm-hmm. pretty detailed uh, because I remember how much I loved it, mm-hmm. that, which is pretty strange. But I, I read uh, The Yearling. Sure. I read The Prisoner of Zenda. I didn't read that one. That's a good book. And I read God is My Co-Pilot. Oh. And it's a that was about a, a fighter pilot in a in a... In a World War Two or mm-hmm. wars, but I read all three. I took those quizzes and I did not miss one question on any quiz, which didn't mean the quizzes were easy. Well, they're probably easy, but I love to read so much, and I was amazed at how much I retained. Mm-hmm. So when you teach kids today, and I'm the author of two children's books, by the way, I know. <laughs> how how do you go about? How do you turn them on to reading? Um, you know, that is hard because kids who naturally love to read will read. Mm-hmm. And those kids who find reading hard, you know, and let, until they find a book or a series or an author, um, something that they're interested in, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard, you know. So a lot of times, you know, we end up suggesting 
as you read, read with your child. Right. You know, model. Right. Um, ask questions to each other. Make it fun at mm-hmm. home. You know, because that's you're, it's it's easier to make reading fun at home when at school you have to read. Right. Right. Type situations, um, but it's it's hard because like I was not a reader in school, but I'm a reader now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just because I found you know something that I enjoy which is I'll read anything happy. <laughs> I'll read anything history, you know, or Western, um, but anything scary, gory, sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, see, like, I was very upset when I read The Yearling. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Or when the red fern, where the red fern grew. I'm uh-huh. like, seriously, why are you having us read these books? <laughs> Oh, yeah. But you remember Babbitt? Did you read Babbitt when Molly Beard had us yeah, read? Well, and didn't she? I didn't read that one, but she had us read something about a woman with multiple. Oh, personalities. Yes. What was that called? Is that Sybil? Yes. Yeah. That one kind of scared me. Because <laughs> you knew some classmates that maybe. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Mm. Are there really people like this? That's uh, kind of crazy. You know, you talk about your little kids reading. I My first book, A is for Astronaut, had come out, and I had traveled to Huntsville, Alabama to speak at Space Camp mm-hmm. and sign books, speak to teachers and kids. And then my publishers asked me to go into Tennessee. And I went into Tennessee to a uh, – I had a, a local small college I was going to speak at, but I also went to a, an elementary school. Where in where in Tennessee? You know, I can't. It's right on the west west side of the state, but I can't right okay. now. I can't remember the mm-hmm. the uh, name of the college or the school. But what stuck with me was I went into the school and I presented to the kids, and and I'm pretty pretty dynamic presenter. And we we flew a rocket and we you know pretended mm-hmm. we were launching and all that kind of stuff. And each kid through the publisher got a free copy of my book. And so then at the end, we all lined up. And each kid got in line and would come and get the book signed. Oh, mm-hmm. Before we did this, though, the principal of the school uh, came in and she whispered in my ear that the problem in this school was that the majority of the students had no male role model that read to them. And that just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't, I didn't know what to think. And as the kids came through the line, and they're just the cutest and the sweetest and the most honest people you'll ever want to meet, right? Sometimes brutally. (laughs) Exactly. And they're, like, knocking me off my chair saying stuff to me that, like, whoa. And But it was so much fun. And the fact that I was handing them this book that hopefully someone was going to read to them. And I remember, you know, when my kids were little, uh, I read them all. Mm -hmm. And I did voices. And I, you know... Fuzzy, fuzzy, fur feet, you yeah. know, stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, I think reading is so important in, in the science, technology, engineering, art, I call it STEAM, arts and math. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't think of that where reading is part of it, but it really is. because well, reading is across the curriculum. Absolutely. Because if you, if, if you have difficulty with reading, you have difficulty with math because, you know, there are... Um, story problem situations. Mm-hmm. You have difficulty in history. You have right. difficulty, you know, knowing what sounds right even in English when you're, you know, yeah. 
Well, that's another reason why I love people like you who help educate these young minds and, and try to turn them on to something different. Um, I like to teach, speak to teachers. It's one of my favorite audiences, and I have a, one chart I like to show of the bell curve, right? Mm-hmm. And every teacher knows that on this bell curve, in their classroom, they know who Billy and Betty are who come to class every morning, and they're clean, and their clothes are nice and they're mm-hmm. well fed and they're ready to get after it right and then you have that group in the middle they're, they're kind of everywhere but but yeah you can they're going to be okay you can get them but then there's those kids on the left side of the bell curve and what i ch- and i've i don't have any experience in education except what i developed along the road mm-hmm. and so what i challenge these teachers to do is to use billy and bobby over here on the right side of the bell curve to travel back to the back side of the bell curve Make friends with these kids, mm-hmm. grab their hand, hold their hand, and try to pull them up mm-hmm. to the center. And I don't think we, when I was a kid, I don't know that in general the population does that. Sometimes they look with disdain right. on that group of kids rather than look with the helping hand. And I like to think that in my life that I try to reach the others mm-hmm. and try to pull them up to be part of that bigger group. So Right. That old saying, don't look down on someone unless you're going to help them up. Exactly. I, but, I'm um, going to steal that too. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but I know when, when we were back way back when, the way that they handled those who had difficulties in the general population was to separate them. Sure, sure. And now they don't do that. Right. Everyone is, you know, so the opportunity to learn from someone on the far right of that bell curve is a lot more available sure. than it was, you know, way back when. Does it make your job harder, though? Um, having such a diverse group in well, a classroom? Yeah, and, and bringing those kids that we used to separate out to, to give them, I mean, the, the idea was to give them special support right. and help them along faster, but I'm not sure I, that it I think that when way. it first started, mm-hmm. um, a lot of teachers felt... Um, that, you know, it was quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. But now there's so much information out there on how to help because there's so many different challenges sure. that children have. But there's, a, there's you know, with, with the use of the Internet or even support staff or, you know, professionals who come in and doctors or whomever you can talk to that give us guidance. This is what you need to do because you think about even kids with autism mm-hmm. are in the room and right. they have their own, you know, but having a close um, communication with their counselor, you know, that they go to and what terminology they use, you know. Um, Can be very effective. Yes, because if the parents are using it, the doctor's using it, their therapist is using it, sure. I'm using it, you know. Well, it's the same in, in space. If you don't use the right terminology to tell for the space station crew to tell the ground or vice versa Mm -hmm. you know you can make mistakes and bad things can happen so uh, communication is important and Mm -hmm. again kudos to all the educators out there so I have one one last question for you Tina all right I'll try you can I know you can do this (laughs) I don't know what can Ashland tell us in general about Small town living, and I want you to think about a few pluses, and if there are any minuses, share those with us. 
And this is from your perspective. My perspective. Mm-hmm. I think um, I liked small town I did living. Loved it. Um, I think my kids growing up in Omaha got a little cheated only because um, we had so many friends. Every, I mean, you knew everyone in your class. Mm-hmm. And so many friends. And our parents knew so many. Right. Um, that it was... If you were, you know, if you needed help, you could go almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if some your car broke down, people would stop because, oh, that looks like Pat Sturt's daughter. You know, <laughs> I better see if she needs help. Um, so, you know, that was great. You always had a friend. You always had, you know, people to support you. Um, you could easily get involved in things in a small town. Yes. I mean, you want to play? Join the team. You're not going to get cut. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. Even if you sat the bench, I played softball. Never really got in, but um, um, we had a, oh, now Mr. Marsh yes, was our coach. Frank. Yes, he was our coach. And I, he goes, do you want to go in? I'm like, no, I'm not really good at this game. <laughs> I just came here to be with everyone else, and I think I sang Rhinestone Cowboy on the, to cheer my team on nice. the whole time. You got any, yeah. you got any recordings of that? Uh, no. <laughs> As long as I was in the dugout without everyone else, I was fine. (laughs) But I think a disadvantage is the same thing. You couldn't do anything without your parents finding out. (laughs) Oh, I totally relate to that. Yes. Because that's how my mom and dad found out I threw a snake at Debbie Westover. Oh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Word gets round. We were on the playground and that slide right out there in front of the elementary school. And she slid down the slide and I had a garter snake and I threw it at her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was not a good plan on yes. my part. And my dad being the town barber. <laughs> that's right. That's the hub. The police would come in there, the fire, you know. But, like, you know, I never, I don't think I ever went to your dad for a haircut because my dad brought out the stool and he sure, sat us on the own. stool and, mm-hmm. he, and he'd cut on one side and he'd cut on the other side and he'd go, hey, that's not even. I got to take a little <laughs> more off. And the next thing you know, my whole head was shaved, <laughs> so... I think there was a picture of you. (laughs) I'm sure there was. One of the yearbooks. On another podcast, uh, we talked to some of our co-students, Mary, Mm -hmm. Yvonne, and Amy um, Hyatt Angelos. Yes. About June 8, 2007. Oh, down at the bar? Yes. (laughs) And I want to share with you the story, and then you can tell us what you were thinking. But... uh, I would receive later, when I was on the space station, I was finished with my day. Uh, Usually that meant you went over email and started Mm -hmm. to open up stuff. And and usually that was my favorite time of the day because I was hearing from people that weren't work-related, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember I got an email. I can't remember where it was from, but when I clicked on it, it opened up with a picture from the newspaper. And I saw all of us there, yeah. You guys there looking up and Mm -hmm. cheering. And I read the article and I cried. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was one of the, the greatest feelings that I had during my 152 days in space for that flight. And so I just wanted to ask you, on that day, what, were, what was running through your mind? What were you thinking? Well, there was tons of excitement. And when it took off, I honestly was praying, 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 <laughs> get through the atmosphere, get through the... Okay, he made it! <laughs> yes, I prayed all the way up, you know. Nothing oh. happened. That's awesome. And I was blessed. Everything, every 
mission, every part of my mission went off on time, mm-hmm. uh, went off safely, and I was back home on the ground in and I think days once later. you made it through, through to the other side, uh-huh. <laughs> um, everyone I had a sense of relief, mm-hmm. you know. That's that, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Well, Tina, I wanted to thank you for being with all of our podcast listeners today, and, and I think that, folks, if you listen to what Tina said, on this podcast, you understand even more about how important small town life and that family, that community, that school, and how much that means to building an ordinary spaceman and, and building citizenry across uh, the community. And, and I, Tina, I agree with you wholeheartedly. When you're in a place where you can do many things, when you can try many things without big fear of failure, Mm -hmm. even if your parents are going to find out about the garter snake in Debbie Westover, it's still good because I believe in my heart that well-rounded people make much better citizens. So, and I'm going to stick with that. And I think you're right because it helps you to be accountable. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to find out and it builds character. (laughs) So there is, after they find out it builds character. Yeah. There was a time it's like, you know, um, I think I got a like a speeding ticket or something, and Walco goes, "You want me to tell your parents?" I goes, "No, no, no, I'll, I'll tell them. That's okay." <laughs> oh, the chief of police. Yeah. Whoa, you hung in big circles, girl. <laughs> Thank you for being there. Thank you for being a part of my life, my journey, and building this ordinary spaceman. Yes. Please rate, review, follow, and subscribe, as it helps others find my podcast. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to my dear friend Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller fame for the use of his talents and music. A Huda Media Production.